Welcome. I'm Riley Karsh. I'm Tova Copan. We are thrilled to bring you the We Go Boldly podcast. Let's talk big burning questions, life changes, and maybe a bit of personal business. Let's be bold and brave together. Are you ready? I am. Here comes the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Go Boldly, the podcast. We are so happy to be recording today and to have you guys with us. Uh, uh, If you've been following along, it has been a crazy few weeks for us. Um, Before we dive into our topic of the day, which is an interview, and I'm very excited, as you all know, I get very excited about interview day. Um, But before that, let me say hello to my fantastical co-host, Tova, and welcome you to the show, Tova. What's happening with you today sitting in my dining room? Yes, I am sitting in your dining room and it is definitely not because I forgot it was interview day and I also <laughs> have a doctor's appointment and it happens to be much closer to your house than it is to my house. And so I can get everything at the same time because our lives revolve around doctor's appointments that Indeed. definitely did not happen. Um, <laughs> I am coming from your living room. Um, yeah, you know, the last, uh, it's been a lot. I cannot believe it was only a week ago since we recorded because I oh, thought- yeah. Right. Like, and you were on the physical upswing. Your family was getting over COVID. Yeah, it was great. We were all at school, but then you got COVID. Yep. And which we, to be honest, were thankful for because the long list of ailments that we thought you had, had it not been COVID were lengthy. Oh yeah. No, I was definitely dying. Yeah. And let's just be clear to everyone who is watching us on YouTube. I had been wearing a mask. We both were wearing masks. Yes. Um, except for while recording. So um, separately, so you can see in our, separate rooms. Beautiful, <laughs> our beautiful smiles. Um, but um, I am also excited for uh, interview day, mainly because I feel like we spend so much time on our seasons. We do all of this research and we talk about them and we think about them and we curate these interview questions and they're like our little baby and then when we start the interviews, it's like we're letting we're sending them out into the world. We're sharing them with other <laughs> Love people. It. Yes, that is that is accurate. And these questions that we're going to dive into today actually took quite a bit of time for us to come up with. Um, I'm not really sure why they just did. Usually they come much faster. So uh, I think I think I have an idea. Right? I think it's because the season itself is a question. Yeah, that's true. And so like these are these are like follow up questions to the question. Right. Right. Um, well, without further ado, I'm going to let Tova take over so I don't start coughing at all of you because who wants to listen to a coughing podcast? Yeah, you keep, I'm in the house with you. You keep your coughing to yourself. <laughs> and, uh, but I'll let you take over and introduce our guest for the day, Tova. Take yes, it away. I will. I am really, really excited and proud that I get to introduce our guest. Um, I am very lucky to be part of a, um, networking group in my town. And this is the second season in a row that we are leading off the season with a member of our net of this networking group. So that's we, true. I didn't think about gangbusters that. going out here. Yep. So um, this is, uh, I am excited to introduce Lisa Lisser. She's the founder of LZL coaching. Um, Lisa practiced litigation in New York city before retiring to raise her three children. So another lawyer mom. Um, while at home with her kids, she became deeply involved in nonprofit work. She supported her community as a public speaker and advocate, designed community-wide programs, and was an active participant on multiple nonprofit boards. She is a lifelong learner, which we love because we are. Um, and she went back to school and earned her master's in Jewish education and became a certified spiritual counselor. Now a CDC certified divorce coach, she is blending her talents and life experiences to do the work she was meant to do. And as someone who has gone through divorce and just watching so many people in my life go through this experience, it is so important. Um, She understands the complicated process of divorce, both from a legal perspective and from personal experience. Um, uh, So thank you so much for joining us, Lisa. We are so excited to have you here. Welcome. How are you doing today? You know, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You know, I'm doing okay today. Um, I actually just came from our networking group, which I find very life affirming and really energizing. And um, it's created so many wonderful contacts for me 
um, as someone who is starting a new business. And um, I find that meeting the different people in our group who are so um, committed to supporting each other um, and helping each other grow their businesses. Um, I haven't been in a networking group like that before that hasn't been um, focused on how do I grow my own business? And that's why they're joining the group. This is more about how do I grow my business while supporting others? And that has been unique and powerful and wonderful. So um, thank you for inviting me this morning. Well, we are very excited to have you. I think that, you know, I wasn't anticipating such a fantastic segue so quickly, um, but everything you just said has so much to do with our whole season, right? We're talking about how is your heart and what does that mean to people and and how do we understand it? How do we dive into it? How do we sort of get to the, to the you know, inner core of what that means? And a lot of what you just talked about really, I think, resonates with the question. So we're going to dive in, excuse me, right from the get-go and ask you the question, how is your heart? So, you know, if you asked me last Tuesday, I might have had a different answer. So I'm going to be really transparent here. And today is Tuesday, October 10th. And on Saturday, October 7th, um, a war started in Israel. And I my, my 20 years of volunteer work has been in the Jewish community and specifically um, working person to person with people who live in the south of Israel. So um, this war has impacted people who I know personally. So it's been really um, personal and challenging for me this these last few days. Um, Yet, yet there are always lights of hope. So one of the people who I know who lives in Israel, um, just I just spoke with her and she sent me um, two videos. She's volunteering today, sorting clothes. She lives in the center and she's sorting clothes for people who have been displaced from their homes in the South. And she sent me two videos. One was the group of everyone who was outside. They heard a siren, so they were running to safety. And that was... 15 seconds. But then she sent me a video of the people in the parking garage underground. And what was happening was they were starting to sing. And they were singing a song, which is a which is an Israeli thing to do. And um, what the song means is the whole world is a narrow bridge but the key is not to be afraid. And it gives me chills. And then the siren stopped and they went back outside to continue sorting clothes. So for me, that feeds my heart. So at this moment, my heart feels full of that hope as it carries the fear and sadness. Yeah, it's such a um, an important thing, to, I think, to recognize that you can hold multiple experiences and feelings and emotions and all of the entirety of the universe of our lives, right, can happen all at once. It's not it's it's not um, mutually exclusive. And I think that's a very good reminder, especially now, um, but all the time, really. And, uh, and I love that you're able to focus on the hope without turning it into like a silver lining, right? Like it doesn't have to be an, uh, dismissive of the hard, right? Of the difficult. And I think that's super important. Um, one of the things that I have become very focused on is um, in my trainings in Jewish education and spiritual counseling is um, the difference between either or thinking and both and thinking. Because two things can be true at the same time. You know, I can be Mm -hmm. very sad and very um, worried and 
I can be hopeful and I can go about my day and still go about my day. Like going to the networking group was something that I could have said, I'm too stressed. I'm too sad. I can't do that. But instead I said, no, that's going to feed my soul. That's something I need to do. I don't, I shouldn't blow that off. And so it was important for me to do that. I know when um, there was the separation of children at the bo- and families at the border, I very much struggled with how dare I even find joy in my own family, you know, and, and we play games together and all of these things. And then it was how dare I not find joy in my own family and snuggle at night. And it can be very confusing because... Yeah. Um, you know, you, you want to say on one hand, like I should be, I should be wallowing very serious, awful things are happening. And then on the other hand, people don't get the opportunity to go meet and commune with friends in a networking event and at a lovely coffee shop. And I should go do that thing. Um, I want to ask you, cause you know, we, we picked this question, how is your heart? Because it feels such a so different than the question, how are you? It feels, so had we started our conversation and said, welcome, Lisa, how are you? How, how would you have answered that today? Like, how would that answer have been different? um, Had that had been how we started the conversation? So because we are where we are, right? I'm not sure how different it would be. Mm -hmm. But if we were on the street, you know, it would be very different. You know, if I didn't know how transparent I could be with a person, I don't know how it would be. Mm-hmm. I didn't share with people I saw in the networking group what exactly had been going on for me over the weekend because I wanted to keep that space feeling different. Mm. You know, and so... So you're right. How are you is not a question that's designed to go to the heart of things, right? And that's why you said, how's your heart? Because now I know that you actually really want to know. Yeah, it's such a, um, I don't know, when somebody, when I was first asked the question, it's such a powerful mechanism for creating immediate vulnerability, Right. Like when you hear the question, you might put your walls up and you might go, oh, I'm not I don't know you. I'm not telling you that. Um, But I think more likely the response is, wow, this person really wants to engage with me in a meaningful way. And um, when you're willing to have that sort of reciprocal vulnerability, it creates community and it creates space for us all to grow and to be together in whatever is happening, whether it's good, bad, neutral, whatever it is, we're all together. And I think that that is, um, I'm learning, I guess I would say that that is such a huge piece of what makes me feel good and makes me happy, um, which leads me to our next question. And you sort of, you, you answered this a little bit already, but I want to dive in deeper to understanding what it is that brings you joy in your life and how did you, how did you figure it out? Like, what was the process for you? That's a big question. Yeah. So, um, cause also joy is different than happiness, right? Yes. So, I really think that joy for me is about connection, right? It's about being with people I connect with, whether I'm in a happy space or a sad space, being with people who get me and understand how I'm feeling brings me joy. So, and I hate to keep going back to this, but there was a rally on Sunday night um, after the Jewish holiday and what what gave me joy in sadness was that I was able to be with people who traveled with me to Israel over the last 18 years and knew the people that I knew. 
And so being with people who shared my experience and who connected with me in that way and who knew me when, that gave me joy because they knew me. They could look at me and see me and really know what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And so even though I have people in my life who are new in my life, who know me now, they don't really understand those connections, right? So what gives me joy is being with people who understand the depth of my connection. So it's about connection, right? Vulnerability is letting people know the depth of your connection. And it's not something that you can develop automatically, right? You have to have shared experiences. So again, that's about vulnerability. Who can I have a shared experience with? And sometimes you're just thrown together and the experience happens. And after that experience happens, now you have a connection because you've seen each other through that experience. So, well, and I want to, I want to highlight something that you said that I think is really, really important. I mean, I want to highlight a couple of things. And, you know, one thing you said, um, and like Brene Brown talks a lot about how joy is the most vulnerable feeling that you can have, right? Because it's a positive one, but it, it, it's filled with, you know, fear because you're, it's fleeting, like you're afraid it's going to go away. But the, the other thing is, it can exist in grief. It can exist in sadness. It, It's like you said, there's a big difference between happiness and joy. And Riley and I have also often struggled with like a definition of happiness because it's kind of a a weird more like, I think we we like contentment better maybe. Um, but but joy, like you said, it, you know, you can have joy in the middle of a pandemic when you're stuck at home with your kids. Like you can have that like perfect fall walk outside where all the leaves are falling and it's really fun. Um, you can have these moments of joy, like you said, these moments of connection. Um, and but it can exist and it's okay if it does. There's a a friend of mine is going through the grief because her father suddenly passed away a couple of weeks ago. And now she's on a planned vacation um with her husband. And they're, you know, they're going through that and she's really trying to have joy throughout it and experience the grief because everything, you know, is reminding her and something she's like prepared to remind her. And then other things are randomly reminding her of right. her father and, and she's less prepared. But I just, I think it's really important to highlight that a it joy can exist in the same place that sadness can exist and in grief. And often it does. Um, and so not only can it exist, but it's really okay that it exists there, that it is okay for you to feel both of those things at the same time. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, but that's both and. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Say, and that's both and not both. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because, because we have to feel everything all at once. You know, when, when the movie came out, everything everywhere all at once when I heard the title, I'm like, what is that about? And then I saw the film and it's, you know, everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> and I said, yes, yes. Right. You're like, that's accurate. That's, yeah, that's exactly that right. Makes sense. I totally get it. All right. Not the hot dog fingers, but yeah, I get it. <laughs> By the way, second time we've talked about this in the last week, Riley, you're going to have to watch this movie. I know. I know. I know I've got to um, do it. On yeah. that, we should take a quick break and then we will be right back. Hey, Tova, you know what I love? Coffee, definitions, uninterrupted reading time. Okay, all of those things are true, but I also love maps. As in Siri, take me to the beach? Yeah, also as in uh, who am I really and who do I want to be? Yeah, I figured that's what you meant, but I also have the beach on my mind, so... Well, we were talking about things we love, so that definitely makes sense. But the map I was thinking about is our Defining You course. Yes, we put together Defining You as a way to map where you are and how you want to live your life. So true. 
so many people struggle to find their purpose in a busy and noisy world. That's why we made Defining You, our course meant to guide you to creating your own mission statement. And there's good news. You can get it now on teachable.com. Find the link on our website at goboldlyinitiative.com backslash courses, or check out the link on our Instagram bio at goboldlytogether. We can't wait to see you there. Now, let's head back to the show. All right. Uh, welcome back. So we are going to, uh, I get sort of change course, but basically say talking about exactly what we've been talking about all along. So um, when you make decisions, um, you've made a lot of big decisions in your life. Um, how do you make your decisions? Do you make them with your head? Do you make them with your heart? Is it a combination? Do you see a decision? distinction between the two what leads you Hmm. I think it's a blend I think it's a blend I I I think that when I make a decision it's often I know when I, I know when I'm ready and I don't I don't perseverate on it. When it's time to make the decision, I make the decision. Um, Certain decisions take me a long time. Like the decision to get divorced took me a really long time to actually pull the trigger. That one was a back and forth for years and years. Um, Because the impact of that decision was on so many people. other decisions I can make more quickly and they come from both places, my head and my heart. Um, Sometimes I make a decision and I feel like, okay, this is my calling. Like for instance, when I heard that there was such a thing called divorce coach, like I never had heard of such a thing until maybe two years ago. Now I went through my divorce um, I became separated 11 years ago. I'd never heard of such a thing as a divorce coach. I could have used such a thing as a divorce coach. Um, I felt like when I heard of it, that this wove together all the pieces of my background. I needed to get certified. This is what I should do. So I had been an attorney and I decided I didn't want to be that anymore. I had been this nonprofit leader in the Jewish community and I became a lifelong learner. I like studied Torah, which is the Jewish Bible. And I I learned about critical thinking through that and, and how to sort of weave together meaning. And I, I, I studied spiritual counseling. And when I studied that after my divorce, I really thought that was the key to supporting people going through divorce. I thought spiritual counseling could be so helpful. And yet I didn't know how to hang a shingle as a spiritual counselor. You know, I just felt like, could I really speak to attorneys and say, this is what I think your clients really need. I thought they would laugh at me. You know, I just didn't know how I could explain what spiritual counseling really was. Because what I do is I I take the the knowledge and the wisdom from the past and I apply it to now. And because it is important, people are people, whether from 2000 years ago to today, it's the same. And when I heard about the divorce coaching, I realized that in this framework, I could do the spiritual work and I could do the strategic work and I could hold people's hearts. And I had the authenticity because I'd been through it. And I was, I had experienced as dark a place as you could experience through the divorce and come through it. So maybe my experience of going from the darkness to the light would be helpful for people who were just at the beginning. So for me, like to make that decision, I heard about it two years ago. 
in when I was in one job and I made the phone calls I needed to make. And six months later, I left that job. I started the training. And within a year of hearing about it, I opened a practice. So like to me, that's a quick decision. But because it was my heart and my head at the same time, knowing that I finally came to the place that at this stage of my life, I was ready. So the decision called me and I said, yes. Mm, I love that phrasing. Um, And I think that's so key to, (laughs) I don't know how every season we wind up talking about your inner voice, but we do. I I mean, I know how it's because it's like the essential part of, I think all coaching in general is understanding how to listen to that inner voice and that your inner voice isn't just your heart. It isn't just your head. It isn't just your gut. It's, you know, it's the whole of you. It's the whole of whatever makes up you. So, um, I love that phrasing and I may, I may start borrowing it. I think it's great. Um, I want to understand a little more about you and where you're headed, I guess. And so I'd like you to talk to us a little bit about, um, if you, if you looked out from now for the next 10 years, what, overarching feeling would you like to hold? What would, what would be sort of the feeling in your heart that you would like to end up with and sort of, how do you see that happening? Small question. (laughs) question. What feeling? So I see myself in service. So I would like to serve as many people as I can. And in service, I feel that I blossom. Like that's where my energy comes from. So if I look back 10 years from now, I hope that I've served hundreds of people. And whether it's through divorce coaching and having people blossom in new lives or life transition coaching, where people are moving from point A to point B and recognizing that life can look totally different in ways they never imagined and they can feed their hearts. Or point C, where I'm teaching people wisdom from their history, from their tradition that they didn't know existed. They maybe were looking in yoga or Hinduism or Buddhism because they're searchers. And maybe they they could find it here and there. It's not it's not exclusive right. because the wisdom that we find in our tradition is likely in all of the other traditions. We we say the same thing in different words. I remember being so struck. I was at um, Miraval Spa a few years ago with a friend. There was an extra room, so or an extra space in a in a room, and. Um, I went to some of the spirituality classes and they were saying the same things I was learning in my spiritual counseling training, just using different words. And so I recognize that it's the same language, the same language with different vocabulary. Right. Right. So, yeah. I mean, we're all, uh, we're all so interconnected. And when we stop worrying about what group we fit in and start thinking about how we feel and how we want other people to feel around us. Um, I think the language changes entirely and it doesn't matter what your background is or where you've come from. And we can all see what you're talking about, which is that shared existence, the shared experience of humanity on this planet at this time, um, and how all of that impacts how we feel about each other and, and ought to allow us to be more connected. Um, whether it does or not, I don't know, but it, <laughs> I wish it did. So, yeah. um, Tova, I know you're, you're up for a question. So I'll stop. I'll stop. Yeah. And I'm going to tweak the next question a little bit, um, because I'm thinking about, you know, um, I'm guessing, and I don't want, I don't want to make assumptions, but I'm going to anyway, that if I asked you like, what's something you would change about, you know, 
the the path of your life, you'd probably say, you know, everything that you've gone through, you needed to go through to get here. But I do want to ask you, um, if you could counsel yourself, right, with what you know now, like, what, what kind of counsel? Um, and like, what, what kind of counsel would you give yourself? Like, what, what's a different decision that you may have made, right? So what's something that you would have, you know, swerved left instead of right? Um, recognizing that you're very happy with your children and we, you know, putting that aside, we know that you're happy with your children and, and all that good stuff. No, but, but so here's the thing. Um, there are probably a lot of decisions that I wish I could have made differently, right? Like there are strategy points of my divorce settlement agreement that I wish I had counsel on that I could have made differently. Um, and I would have been in a better financial place than I am today. And yet I'm fine, right? I mean, we're talking about money, right? And, and what I'm looking at now, looking backwards, you know, I, I was very insecure and I was very unsure of myself. And part of what went on in my marriage was, was designed to make me feel insecure. So I was, I was in that space and just getting out was all I, I needed to do. So, so I wish I had counsel telling me I was allowed to do more, right? Part of what I do with my clients is I, I tell them they have permission, right? They're allowed. Um, you know, we all wish we had turned right instead of left at different points in our lives. Um, yes, most of the experiences in my life, I believe, have made me what I am today. And I think that if I had made certain ex different decisions, I still would be the person I am. And yet I'm not so sure if I stayed married, I would have had the experiences that led me to where I am right now. I don't think staying in that marriage would have necessarily been the right decision there would have had to have been big changes. And I don't know that I could have, I don't, like in my head, uh, the word coerce is coming out. And I, I don't think that I had that in me then, nor do I have it in me now. Um, and I don't think that the person that my ex-husband was then could have changed. He might be different now, you know, that's up for grabs, but we get along. So that's fine. And my kids have, my, my, my daughters have a relationship with their dad where it wasn't quite as clear before we separated. So I think that that's really positive. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, you know, sometimes the mistakes we make are necessary for us. Yes. We need to learn from our mistakes. And a lot of the parenting advice that I had while raising kids, you know, everybody has to get a trophy. Well, that's not how life works. <laughs> and sometimes you lose the race. Yeah. So we did those kids a disservice. And so I think that learning that mistakes are part of life and that they help us to get to the next place is important too. So that's a long-winded answer to your question. That's good. No, that's great. I think, um, I think I, I laughed when you said not everyone gets a trophy because it's like my favorite, my husband's favorite thing to say. And, uh, <laughs> He's very, well, and, and he's very focused on that. Admittedly, at least my oldest is competitive enough that he does not want a trophy if he doesn't earn a trophy. Like, yeah. 
he, he has no business for participation trophies. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it's just, he, he says it all the time. So it made me laugh. Um, but I, you know, I think that understanding that there are things we could have done differently is not necessarily the same as regretting what we chose to do. Right. right? And so being able to look back, I mean, there are a million things I look back on. And I'm like, whoo, that was probably not the best choice. Um, but I don't necessarily regret them. You know, like I don't look at them and go, well, that ruined everything in my life. No, it yeah. didn't. My life is pretty great. Um, but I think you've said this and I, and I just want to highlight it. It's necessary to learn from our past, right? It's necessary to be able to look at those things we have done and said and been with a, a critical eye. And I don't mean that in the like mean voice in your head, critical eye. I mean, like critical thinking, right. To, to look at those things we've done and thought about and, and decisions we've made and learn from them. So that, like you said, we're not repeating them. I mean, it just makes sense, but not everyone views it that way, I guess. Um, we need to take another quick break and then I have a few more fun questions for you and then we'll dive into our quick response questions. So, uh, we will be right back everyone. Know what I really love to do uh, take baths, go for walks, read, drink margaritas, hike. Yeah, not what I was referring to. You know we're recording a commercial right now. I do, but I'm thinking outside the box, being adaptable. As I was saying, what I love to do is host our live monthly workshops. Oh, right. That's what we were talking about. Me too. They are a lot of fun to put together and host every month. And we can bring margaritas, so... Join us for live conversation as we get a bit deeper into topics near and dear to our hearts. We go through everything from self-care to setting boundaries. We share coaching tips, practical advice, and take questions from the audience. It's a whole lot of fun. Sign up for our newsletter today at goboldlyinitiative.com slash contact to make sure you hear about all the upcoming Go Boldly workshops. You definitely don't want to miss out. Now, back to that show. Okay, welcome back to the show. Before the break, we were talking about learning from our past and learning, um, you know, just learning about ourselves by keeping an open mind, really. I think it's what it boils down to. Now I want to take a little bit of a trip into the future again um, and talk to you about something that Tova and I talk about at length. And it's something we started talking about, I guess, at the same time we started thinking about how is your heart? And that is, do you think there is a difference in life between balance and harmony? And we mean by that, like every time you go on the internet, somebody's telling you about work-life balance or, uh, you know, finding balance in your life and all these things. And I, yeah, I'll just be upfront about it. I don't think that's possible. I think it's ridiculous. People get on a balance beam and they fall off. Um, balance is not real, but can, you know, can you look at your life and then maybe some of the clients you take on and think about for us, what, what you think the difference might be between balance and harmony? And if any of that is even achievable or should be something people are thinking about? Well, So achievable is an interesting question too, but I am in agreement with you that balance is silly, right? Like when you look at the scales of justice, you know, they're never exactly balanced, right? right? You know, it's not, balance is about some kind of equilibrium. Like you're getting to a place of equilibrium, but there's always something that's heavier and something that's lighter. And so at different times in your life, different things take priority, right? That's just how life works. You know, sometimes one of your children needs more attention than another one of your children. And if one child has COVID and the other one doesn't yet, then that child is going to need more attention until the other child gets COVID, right? Like that's sort of how it works. And I'm just using that because it's now. Um, 
So I think this idea of balance is is wrong. And I agree with you. You're always going to fall off the balance beam and that shouldn't be your measure. But the idea of harmony is so much more realistic. Like if I know that I have to play a chord, right? And sometimes a chord is exactly in harmony and sometimes it's a little dissonant. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it music, right? Life is music. And so I feel like that's a great analogy, this idea of harmony. The problem happens when more of the chords are screechy, more of the <laughs> chords don't sound right. And they, it's like, ooh, that was flat. You know, whatever, that was sharp or whatever it is. Like if the chords are not sounding right more frequently than not, then you have to recalibrate. Then you got to get a tune, right? You have to get a a guy to come in or a girl, but most of them that I've had have been men to tune my piano. Um, But really it's, that's when you need to, to reevaluate. And I think that, I have made choices based on whether I could find not so much the balance, but the harmony, right? I left the practice of law because I couldn't find the harmony. And it wasn't, I think in my head, I was thinking balance, but I was working three days a week. I was home with my baby two days a week. And then I was home with the baby and my husband two days a week. And I couldn't deal with the compartmentalization. Like work mom, stay at home mom, wife and mom. Like it was like two, I I had too many different distinct roles. I needed to be in harmony with myself. And that was too many different people. And I needed to blend. So for me, that's why I said I have to do it differently. And so I found ways to blend all my passions. And that was different. Um, And I think that's what makes a life. You find the different things in your life that blend together. You know, you make a recipe that's a really yummy cake and you take the blender and you put it together. Like you find the ingredients. It's not a balance. You know, when you're making... I'm thinking now of like, when do I weigh things and when do I measure them? Right? right. Like when I'm making a recipe, I measure, I measure the flour, I put it in and then I mix it. When I'm on a diet, I weigh things and then I put it on my plate. I would much rather blend it to make a cake than measure it to stick to a diet. Right. And yeah, I think um, <clears throat> the other issue I personally take with the concept of balance is that it's this social construct and it is intended to keep people, you know, off balance ultimately, because it's not achievable. It's not attainable. It's not a goal that one can reach. There is no way to constantly stay in balance. And so you're failing all the time. And while we don't believe around here that failing makes you a failure, it still doesn't feel very good. And so when you're constantly failing at something that everyone around you in theory is achieving, which they're not, but that's what we're made to believe, right? That is, it just eats away at your heart. It eats away at your peace, at your joy, at your um, contentment with your own life. And I think it's something that the more we talk about and the more we put out into um, either our clients or the world or wherever we're talking, the better off we'll be. It's very, um, I think it's just a very unhealthy way of trying to live. So. No, I I agree with you. This idea of failing, um, it's because there's always a judgment, you know, and we live in a society that judges us if we work and we're never with our kids, if we're home and we're only with our kids. You know, one of my clients says that her hu- she works full time and her husband tells her that 
her whole identity is wrapped up with her kids, that she is nothing because she only is with her kids and she needs to be with her kids 24 seven. And, but she like, and she's a really bright woman, but hearing it all the time, yeah, even though it's not true, like she feels like she has to say the words to defend her life. And so, you know, and that's part of what we know as coaches, the more you tell a story, the more it feels true. The more someone tells you a story about you, the more you believe it, even though you know it's not true. Right. And so it feels like she's failing. You know, when I when I moved from the city and I had um, two babies and was pregnant or two children was pregnant with my third and I needed help because all of a sudden I went from being a walking person to being a driving person and had to leave the new baby at home. I And I wanted to hire the nanny from the city to come home and we had the resources. My ex-husband, and this is before we had trouble, right? He said, you just want to hire a friend because you like her. So you need a friend. You don't have any friends. So like how many judgments were wrapped up in that? Right. Right. I'm incapable. I don't know how to make friends. I don't have any friends. I'm not good enough to have friends. Like there was so much that was in there and I needed an extra set of hands. Right. You needed help, which I don't know a mom that doesn't. Um, And I certainly don't know a mom of three with like a new baby that doesn't. That's bananas. So it's really... These are all these are all pieces of judgment that come on top of women who hear stories that are thrown on top of us, and we start to judge ourselves. And I don't know where how we got to this part of the story. I mean, um, the good news is our brain our brain believes what we hear, but our brain doesn't differentiate necessarily with what a mean husband tells us and what we tell ourselves. So we can tell ourselves something else. Right. And, you know, it's the same reason I tell my kids, you know, don't be like, oh my gosh, I'm so stupid because your brain hears that and it believes it. And you might just be, you know, so we, we can, I mean, let's help you get out of a bad relationship, but also we can counteract that, that conversation. Um, I think if we have time for one more question before our rapid response, this might lead us to our last question, um, which is if you look back to Lisa and it can be five-year-old Lisa, 10-year-old Lisa, 15-year-old Lisa, it could be young mom Lisa who needs a nanny, whoever, whichever Lisa you want to pick in your head, younger self Lisa, what would you want to tell her now about caring for her heart and just what advice would you want to give her to just help her over the next 30, 40, 50 years to care for her heart? Mm. I think what I want to tell her is that your light is really bright and it's not going to go out no matter what anybody says to you. So just keep shining. You're okay. I love it. I love it. Um, so I can't remember if we explain this to you or not, but we do these rapid response questions at the end um, of every interview. And we do it because we our topics are pretty heavy and uh, it can get a little hard to get through sometimes. And we like to end our shows with people getting to know a little bit about you on your day to day and like what, you know, what kind of stuff is in your life. Um, so I'm going to ask you five questions. I am not allowed to ask you follow-up questions. I get annoyed about it every time. Um, (laughs) and you just answer whatever comes to mind and, um, no, there's no right or wrong answers, obviously. So whatever pops into your head, let us know. And, uh, and yeah. I think it'll be fun. Um, Tova, did you have anything else before I start the? No, go to town. No? All right. So our first rapid response question is, what do you do when you get up in the morning? What's like, what's the first thing? 
So I read the news on my phone. Okay. Right. I do. That's I admit. Right. <laughs> um, question number two. What is your favorite movie? Ooh, what is my favorite movie? Okay. Meatballs. Oh my God, that's the best. That's awesome. <laughs> we have so many follow-up questions and I can't ask them. That okay. is amazing. Um, number three, what is on your nightstand right now? Uh, talking to God by Naomi Levy. Uh, number four, what, uh, no, I'm sorry. Who is at the top of your musical playlist right now? Bruce Springsteen. Ooh, very good. Number five, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Or your favorite mantra? Either way works. Well, no is a complete sentence. Mm. It's good advice, people. Uh, I know a lot of you have probably heard that before. And I'm not asking a follow-up question, so no yelling at me. Um, but I am highlighting that that is some of the best advice you could ever get. Uh, no is a complete sentence and you should use it as often as possible um, or as necessary, I guess. So Lisa, thank you so much for being with us today. Can you um, let people know where they can find you if they want to follow you on social media or reach out to you for advice or whatever they might need? Absolutely. So you can find me online at lzlcoaching.com. Um, or you can email me, lisa at lzlcoaching.com. Um, I am on LinkedIn, um, Lisa Lisser, and um, that's about it. Um, okay. I don't have an Instagram presence as LZL Coaching, um, but I am mama.lisser. So if you want to find me, you can find me. Excellent. We will be sure to put all of that in the show notes for everyone and share it on our social media as well. So you can find Lisa if uh, you are so inclined and we think you should be. Um, thanks again, Lisa, for being with us today. It was really, really lovely speaking with you and having this conversation. Um, and we really appreciate you taking the time and being here with us today. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks so much for listening to We Go Boldly podcast. We know you're busy and we love spending time with you. If you enjoyed this week's episode, let us know. Head to Apple Podcasts right now to rate and review our show. While you're there, be sure to click that subscribe button. Want more us time? Follow us on all the socials at Go Boldly Together. Want even more us time? As in all the coaching pizzazz. Find us at GoBoldlyInitiative.com for all the info. We will be back with more excitement, research, and deep thoughts next week. Until then, keep on being the bold, brave, amazing people we know you already are.